ask you to have you take your Bible this morning and turn with me back to the book of 1 John, the second chapter, as we continue to look at the test of our testimony. John has uh, laid these out and uh, made them, uh, I think, very clear for us. And uh, one of the things that uh, I think uh, John is making clear uh, by these seven statements or seven tests uh, is that a person can know uh, that, uh, that they are saved. Uh, we, um, that there are some who uh, profess to be saved um, but yet they will still say something along the lines, well, uh, we'll wait and see. We don't know till, uh, till we get to heaven and we decide final answer uh, at that point. Well, John is writing, uh, and his purpose, if you read through these epistles, uh, he says numerous times, I write these things that you may know. Uh, John wanted us to know some things uh, about our faith. And... Uh, he has given us these, uh, these measuring sticks, uh, things to show us, uh, saying that not only that uh, our faith, uh, we can know about our salvation, uh, but I believe he's also saying uh, that our salvation should be evident to others. Uh, that uh, you shouldn't have to put a, uh, a fish sticker on the back of your car uh, for people to know you're a believer. Now, if you've got one, that's fine, uh, but there ought to be more that shows you're a believer uh, than your fish sticker or your uh, I attend Poplar Grove Baptist Church uh, license tag or whatever. Uh, there ought to be some evidence uh, in our life uh, that uh, shows us and others uh, that there is something uh, different, that we have a uh, relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. We're going to look this morning uh, at the sixth uh, test that John gives us, uh, and this one is, uh, in many ways, uh, the most practical, uh, I think, uh, of, uh, of them all. Does the gospel uh, abide in us? Does the gospel live in us? Uh, the, the simple statement, the simple thing John is saying here uh, is how we live uh, shows um, clearly uh, more than really anything else whether or not we have a relationship uh, with God. Uh, how we actually live, how we uh, conduct ourselves, our values, our morals, how we treat uh, each other. Uh, John is saying uh, that is the, the real evidence of whether or not we have uh, got a hold of God's Word, or better yet, has God's Word uh, got a hold of us uh, and made a difference in His life. Is the gospel uh, being lived out uh, in our life? Is the gospel actually uh, living out, uh, coming out uh, in our life? And, uh, and I think then, logically speaking, uh, that uh, what John says, John says, and, and we'll look at it in detail in a moment, uh, but John's going to say, uh, if you really know God, uh, if you have a relationship with God, then the gospel uh, will be lived out in you. Uh, it, will, it will come out in the way you, uh, again, live your life. And I think logic demands uh, that the opposite uh, is true. Uh, 
that if the gospel is not being lived out uh, in our life, if the gospel is not uh, impacting and uh, and having a uh, making a difference uh, in the way we live, and again the way we treat others, the way we uh, our values, our morals, those kinds of things, if the gospel uh, is not uh, doing that, then I, I think the obvious logical answer is then we must question our relationship with God. If having a relationship with God results uh, in a person living out the gospel, then again, logic says if we're not living out the gospel, then we track back a notch and we must uh, not have a real relationship uh, with God. And that's uh, the real question of the passage uh, this morning. If we're not living out the gospel, then do we have uh, a relationship uh, with God? And I think John would say, uh, and I think his, uh, his letter here uh, is very clear, if you're not living out the gospel, then you don't know God. Uh, I don't think John would even put it to you in a question sense. I think John uh, would put it to us very bluntly. If you're not living out the gospel, then you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I, I think John would be very uh, forthright uh, in his answer uh, to that question. And so as we look at uh, what John says, uh, I call it a measuring stick. Uh, let's look at the measure. What does John say uh, as he presents his uh, measure here uh, for uh, test number six? Uh, he says in verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And so John lays something out here. He states it, uh, I think, very clearly. Uh, does the gospel uh, remain in you? Now, uh, granted, I recognize that John uh, does not use that verse, doesn't say gospel in it. But he does say, uh, that which you have heard from uh, the beginning. Uh, he says, that which you have heard from the beginning, does it uh, abide in you? Let's talk about abide first. What does he mean? Whatever that is that he's talking about, uh, does it abide in you uh, to accept the truth uh, and to interact with that truth? That's what he means by uh, abiding. If I tell you uh, that, uh, you know, if I say to you, uh, I believe, uh, we're standing here, and I say, I believe that stage uh, is secure. I believe it's well-built. I believe uh, it, it's solid. Uh, I, I believe it's, uh, you know, it, it's built out of good materials. I believe, uh, you know, that's a good, solid stage. Well, the test of that is whether or not I come up those steps and stand on that stage, right? Whether I will interact with that truth. If I, if I believe something to be true, then I should interact with that truth. That truth should uh, should involve, it should, it, it should transform, it should be involved in my decision making. It should impact uh, how I think, how I act. If I believe something is true, then it changes how I believe, how I act. If I believe that there is uh, a snake in that hole, if I believe that's to be the truth, I'm not going to stick my hand in that hole. 
the truth uh, has uh, has impacted me. Uh, you know, I, I've told you the story before about uh, the guy walking the tightrope pushing a wheelbarrow over the Grand Canyon, and the guy uh, over over Niagara Falls, and the guys, you know, cheering and oh, do it again, do it again. He says, do you believe I can do it again? He says, absolutely. He says, we'll get in the wheelbarrow. You know, if, if something is, if you believe something to be true, he says it will interact with you. If we believe the gospel to be true, it will begin to have uh, an impact uh, on our life. The truth, the teachings, uh, the do's and the do nots, the thou shalt's and the thou shalt nots uh, of the Word of God will begin to, uh, to to filter into our life, begin to uh, our actions, our faults will begin to be filtered uh, through that. Uh, if the gospel is not changing us, John says, he says that, that, that there's an issue, uh, something's wrong. Because if you have a relationship with God, you will abide, you will interact, you will be influenced by the truth. Uh, you know, if you, it's just, you know, it's just uh, the, it's the very nature uh, of who we are. If you're going down the road, <coughs> and as you travel down the road, and uh, as many people will do, uh, you know, if, they, if, they, if there's a policeman down the road, they'll flash their lights at you. If you believe that, you slow down. Some of you already doing the speed limit, but most of us, we slow down. Yeah. Why? Because we believe those flashing lights, right? We see a sign, most people anyway, that says left lane ends ahead. What do we do? We get in the left lane and drive like maniacs till that lane runs out and cut over in front of somebody, right? Yeah. You know, if we really believe the left lane is ending, we get over. You know, if, if, you know, if we see something that we believe to be true, then it, it, it impacts and changes our lives. And when we look at the Word of God, if we really have a relationship with God, John says we will look at the Word of God and believe it to be true, and it will begin to influence our life. For example, when he says pray without ceasing, if we believe the Word of God to be true, and we have a relationship with God, we will pray. He says, uh, he talks about us growing in the faith. If we have a relationship with God, and we believe that to be true, we will study uh, the Word of God. He says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. If we have a relationship with the Father, and we believe that to be true, we will gather in God's house. The truth will begin to influence us. And if it is not, then John says the problem is not the truth. Right? If you tell me there is a snake in that hole, and there is truly a snake in that hole, and I stick my hand in that hole, what is the problem? The problem is not the truth, right? The problem is not the truth. The problem is one of a couple places. It may be my relationship with you that I just don't believe you. It may, you know, whatever. 
but the problem is not the truth. If we're not living, we're not following what was given to us, this truth of God's Word. The problem, folks, is not the Word of God. It is the inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God from cover to cover. Yeah, I listen. I'm just naive enough. I believe it all. Even out here on the corner where it says genuine love. I believe every bit of it. Listen, the problem is not the truth, John says. The problem says the, is that we our relationship with God, the person who gave us the truth, is the problem. Right? Problem is not the truth. Whatever that truth is. Whether it's somebody flashing their headlights at you on the road, telling you there's a snake on the, in the hole, telling you the stage will hold you up, the problem is not the truth. The problem is your relationship with the person who told you that truth. The opposite is true. If I tell you, don't go up on that stage, it's, it, there's a problem with it, and you will fall. And you come up on the stage anyway and fall through. The truth was still the truth, right? The problem was you didn't believe me. For whatever reason. John is saying here, if the truth of God's Word, all the principles and precepts, all the things that the Word of God is teaching us, if they're not influencing our life, it's not that the Word of God is wrong. It's that our relationship with the person who gave us that truth is wrong. Now, I understand that's a pretty heavy concept for some people, especially in this day and age. We live in a day and age where people like to question the truth and the authority of the Word of God. We, we live in a day when, when even many inside of the church question, many who claim to be Christian, many who are teaching in our seminaries and colleges who question the truth of God's Word. Problem is not the truth. You can question the law of gravity all you want to, but if you get up on the roof of this building and jump, guess what? The truth of the law of gravity will get your attention real quick. If I tell you, don't stick your finger in that light socket, it will bite you. And you stick your finger in that light socket, you are about to learn of the truth of electricity. The problem is not the truth. The problem, John says, is it comes back to our relationship with God. He says that, 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 uh, that the measuring stick is whether or not the gospel is being lived out in our life. Whether or not when the Bible tells us to love one another, whether we actually do that or not. When he tells us not to lie, whether or not we obey that. When he tells us not to steal, although some of those basics, I, I realize there's some, some deeper theological truths, but we'll just deal with the light ones, the, the, the basics to begin with. 
When he tells us to honor our father and mother, when he tells us when we have those commandments, when he tells us again to love one another, when he tells us uh, to be generous, when he tells us to, uh, to help others, all those things, if those are not being lived out in our life, doesn't mean those things are not true. It means we're questioning the truth giver. We have a problem in our relationship with the person who gave us that truth. That's the measuring stick that John is putting out here. He says the evidence is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will continue in us. You will continue in the Son, he says. You will continue in the Son. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when you're in church, but you will continue to be obedient. You will continue to allow the gospel. The word remain means to abide. It means to dwell. It means to stick. The gospel, he says, will remain in us. It means not to be carried away by false teaching. Again, he's already talked about false teachers. But he's reminding us here that, you know, listen, the truth is, and, and here's, a, here's reality. We practice this measuring stick in all kinds of areas of life. We practice it at work. If Kenny has an employee in his business, and Kenny says, these are the rules, these are the policies, this is what it means to work here. These are the things you do and don't do. Now, those are the truth. If Kenny says, be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, I don't know, for some reason I think Kenny starts to work earlier than that. But, um, you know, if Kenny says, be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you come dragging in at 9 o'clock, the problem is not the truth that Kenny told you, the problem is your relationship with your boss, right? There's a, there's a problem in that relationship. Now, if, if you want to be an employee at concrete boring, concrete sawing, then you follow those policies. If you don't, then you'd say, well, you must not be an employee. That's what Kenny would say. You know, that's what, you know, listen, and, you know, if someone is out and they, and they have on a wedding ring, but they're out bouncing from person to person, you know, bar to bar, person to person, all over town, and they're not acting very married, we'd question that relationship, right? We question their marital relationship. You know, if, if, again, if somebody, does, you know, if they don't show up to work at the assigned time, we question the relationship with them. If they don't follow the rules at work, we question the relationship with their employer, right? You know, we do that in every area of life. That's simply what John is saying about our relationship with God. He's saying if we have a relationship with God, then the truth of His Word is going to show in our life. If our relationship with God is not changing us and making, as the Bible says, a new creature out of us, if the old 
things are not passed away, if those things are not different, if we don't love new things and hate the old things, John says something is wrong, not with the truth, but with the relationship with the truth giver. That's the measuring stick. That's the measuring stick. Here's what I want you to understand this morning, is that all around us, People can look at our life, and you can say, you can slap fish stickers all over your car, you can wear cross necklaces, you can carry your Bible into work, you can, you know, you can get you one of them pointy hats like the Pope wears. Yeah. But if your actions don't back it up, if you're not living out the gospel, nobody's going to believe it. You might fool yourself. But John says that's the measuring stick that we have. Then he says here's the motivation. Why? What motivates us to allow the gospel to change us? Look what he says in verse 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. Well, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there because that's pretty straightforward. If you want eternal life, then you better be allowing the gospel to transform you because you have a relationship with God. Here's the interesting thing I see. Everybody I talk to is going to heaven. You ever, have y'all noticed that? Everybody I talk to is going to heaven. Now everybody they know is going to heaven. But they're going to heaven. That just seems to be the way the mind works. You know. Every him. You ask them, are you going to heaven? Yeah, what about your neighbor? Oh, they're going to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Every funeral I go to, oh, they're going to heaven. They're singing with the angels. Yeah. Just the way our mind works. John says, let me tell you something. He says, if you want eternal life, then the gospel should be lived out in your life because you have a relationship with God. That should motivate us, John says. The promise of eternal life. Listen, this is the greatest promise God has for man. The promise of eternal life. The promise of something better than this. Something better than this. Where there is no more death. Where there is no more sickness. Where there is no more sorrow. Where there is no more pain. Where there is no more suffering. In the presence of Jesus for eternity. He says, that's the promise that we have when we allow the gospel to work through our life. But then he says something that is very real. Notice the menace in the next verse. He says, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. John says, I've given you the truth. But I want you to know that there is seduction out there. There is an evil spirit, there is an evil one that will attempt to lead you away from Jesus Christ. There is one that will attempt to tell you you don't have to follow that. You don't have to do that. There is an evil spirit that will tell you everything Jimmy just said he made up. You know, that, that, that he misinterpreted. He didn't read it right. Read it for yourself. Is all I can tell you. 
John says there is one at work that wants to lead you astray. There is one at work that I want to, you to know about. The one that deceives people, that teaches people, that man can become acceptable to God by some way other than Jesus Christ. I don't know how sheltered a life you live, but if you get out and mingle much and talk to many people, you will find out that there is a very pervasive thought, even here in the South, right smack dab, standing on the buckle of the Bible Belt, that will tell you that there are ways to heaven other than Jesus Christ. That there are ways to eternal life other than Jesus Christ. Now, here's a real dangerous thing that many of them will do. They will tell you something like this. They will say something along these lines. Well, Jesus is okay. He's just not the only way. The only problem with that statement is it, again, contradicts the truth of God's Word when He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. One of the most popular out there is telling us just do good, be good. We have this we, we have this mindset in our society that God grades on the curve. You know that that when we get to heaven, He's just going to take everybody and line them up, split them down the the middle, and the good half goes to heaven and the bad half goes to hell. You know, so I, I don't have to be the best; I just got to be in the best half. You know. I just got to make sure I'm better than you. Yeah, is that mindset? I just got to make sure I'm all right. You know, I, I, I got to do, you know, as long as I'm over here, you know, then I'm okay. That, that's the kind of teaching. And I realize some of you sitting here today, you've lived, you've grown up in church, you've grown up hearing the gospel, and for some of you, you think, oh, that's crazy. Maybe it is, but I'm telling you, all around us, people, as John says here, are being seduced into believing that. You know what it means to be seduced, right? Well, John says people are being seduced into thinking there's some other measuring stick other than allowing the gospel to transform our life. I've I, I told you before about the lady that I worked with many years ago who was going to heaven because she helped buy fuel oil for old people in the winter. And no amount of talking or would convince her otherwise. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm sure the old people appreciated it. I'm sure they might really appreciate it this winter if the prices don't come down. But it won't get you to heaven. That's not the measuring stick that John has laid out. It's good to buy fuel for old people if you want to do that. Great! It's not going to get you into heaven. It's not going to, it's not going to get you the eternal life that, G, that John just talked about. We, we live in a time when, when people are talking, they have all kinds of thoughts and ideas about other ways to get 
into heaven, other ways to gain eternal life. Listen, John says, here it is. There is one way of measuring. Has the truth of the gospel impacted your life? If not, you are being seduced. You are falling for the lies of Satan. The question then comes, how do I do that? How do I live up to that standard? Look what he says in verse 27. But the anointing which you have, the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. He says, the Holy Spirit, if you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately comes to dwell in you. We have a, a, a lot of folks on television and other places talking about, if you, have you been saved, have you been filled by the Spirit? Well, if you've been saved, you've been filled by the Spirit. If you hadn't been filled by the Spirit, you hadn't been saved. That's what the Bible says. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. And he says, he begins that the anointing that you have received, not will receive, not future tense, but already done. That anointing, the Holy Spirit, comes and you don't need someone else to tell. He says, the Holy Spirit, will it work? Anybody in here ever experienced that? where you didn't need anybody to tell you what you just said or did was wrong. The Holy Spirit said, hey! You shouldn't have said that. Didn't nobody need to come and say, you know, I was watching you a while ago. And I don't think that's the way a Christian... Now, that may happen too. But then, before they ever got there, the Holy Spirit... I never had a but I see them on TV, you know, the old buses or the trains and stuff where they had the string and they pulled the string to let the driver know we need to stop, I need off. You know, you do something, say something, and the Holy Spirit reaches up and pulls the string and says, stop the bus! That's what John is talking about. John says to live out the gospel is really not that complicated. He says you listen to the Spirit that God has put in you. Listen, if I, I'll be, I, since, I'm the, since it's my turn to preach, I, will be, you know, I just tell you, you know, there have been times in the middle of saying it, the Holy Spirit just goes, no! You know, I didn't even get it finished. And the Holy Spirit screaming and telling me, don't do it. And I'd like to tell you that I stopped the bus. But most of the time, the brakes failed. And it just come right out and I have to deal with it later. John is saying, you want to live out the gospel, you can do it. You can do it. If you have a relationship with God, you will have a desire to live out the gospel in your life. And the Holy Spirit will tell you. I'm reminded, some of you are old enough, it's not thrilling enough, or not 
exciting enough anymore, but I'm sure, so I'm sure they're gone. I haven't been over there in years. But if, if, if you're old enough, you'll probably remember going over to Carowinds. And they had two sets of cars. One of them were jalopies and one of them were race cars. And you drove them. The only thing was, there was a metal track right down the middle. And try as you may, you couldn't get it to jump over that metal truck. Trust me, you couldn't. Trust me, you could not get it to jump over the track and let you go driving off the carowinds in your car. It wouldn't do. It also had sensors on it that if you remember, how many of you ever rode those cars? Remember the cars I'm talking about? I'm fixing to test your age. Some of you didn't go to Carowinds or your memory's failing something. But they also had sensors on them that you couldn't get but to so close to the car in front of you or the motor would cut out. Remember that? Try as you may. You couldn't bump the car in front of you. Trust me. I don't know. I heard that. I didn't try. No. Now, let me tell you what I did discover on those cars. While you couldn't get it to jump the track, if you knew where to look and knew where to reach, you could reach around there and there was a button you could push and it would cut off them sensors. And then you could nail the car in front of you. I mean, you'd get you a good head of steam just booyah! And not daylights out of it. Here's how I thought about those cars. That truck down the middle that kept you from jumping the track and going off through the woods is eternal security. You can't lose your salvation. You can't get off the track. But you can sure override the sensor. It's telling you, hey, don't do that. You ignore the Holy Spirit going, hey! Don't say that, don't do that. John says, here's how we can know we have a relationship with God. If that relationship has changed you. If that relationship has made you different. I'm going to tell you something personal. One of them sitting here, and one of them was watching online because he's already sent me a couple messages telling me what was wrong with the sound on the live stream. I'm like, well, you shouldn't have took shot. You shouldn't have went to the beach. You should have stayed here and fixed it. But I will tell you something. I had, I just, well, I don't know, I went too far, i got to tell a story now. I really wondered what kind of fathers David and Caleb would be. Yeah. I did them too. I, I mean, I can, you know, I had all these pictures in my mind of them walking in the house. Where's the baby? I, I forgot. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I didn't know what kind of father they were going to be. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. 
These are two boys who one Wednesday night stayed home from church, and we had shocking collars on the dogs to keep them from staying off. And when we got home, they were out in the yard going, these collars don't really shock. They just make you drop them when you get out near the edge. That's being shocked, you geniuses. You know. So I had my worries. You know, I fully expect, you know, it wouldn't have shocked me to see one of them collars on my grandbabies to keep them from, you know, rambling. I didn't know what. Can I tell you something? I watched it with both of them. And some of you, most, a lot of you have been there and done it. I was, I was the same way. The minute they laid that baby in their arms, you could see a change in who they were. I've told you before about leaving the hospital today. Back there, about, there wasn't a stoplight back there now, but we pulled up, and it was kind of rainy, and I could have made it across the intersection. But I started to go, and I would have gone any other day, but I had my baby in the car, and I said, no, I'll wait. The relationship will change. If it don't, the relationship won't last. The minute you say, I do, your relationship better change. Or you're going to be saying, I don't, at the courthouse. Relationships will change you. John is saying, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then the gospel, his commandments, his directions, ought to be at work in our life. And if they're not, he says, you better ask yourself about the relationship. The truth is not the problem. Our relationship to the truth is the problem. I want to ask you about your heads this morning. So musicians come. This morning you're sitting here. You're joining us online. And you would say, I have no doubt that I'm a believer. I have no doubt I am a Christian. But I want my relationship with God to flow through my life to the point where others around me have no question, no question about my relationship. You want to come today and kneel and say, Lord, work through me, change me. Let the gospel abide in me. Let me, let, let the gospel change me. Let the truth of your word impact my life so that friends and family and co-workers will have no question about my relationship with you. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. You've put yourself measured yourself by the scripture. And you've realized today that the gospel isn't impacting your life, that you're not living by the principles, that the word of God is not changing you. And the only reason that can be true is because you don't have a relationship with the one who gave the truth. You need to come this morning and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. You need to be saved. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off another day. We're not promised tomorrow. 
You want the promise of eternal life that John talked about? That comes to a relationship with God himself. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, for you giving John these measuring sticks to help us know that we're saved. To know that we have a relationship with you. To know that we have the promise of eternal life. God, I pray this morning, the majority of people in this building would say, I've made a profession of faith. I know Jesus Christ personally. God, then the question comes, can others around us see the gospel working in our lives? See the truth of God's word changing us and shaping us and transforming us into your image. God, I pray today that you will Bring us to the salt, break our hearts. We put ourselves in your hands. Become clay in the hands of the Father. God, for the ones here today, when joining online in this room, God, they're a good person. They, they try to do good. But the fact is today, they don't know you personally, they don't have a relationship with you. God, would you stir their heart to the victory that they would come this morning. God, ask Jesus Christ to come into their life personally. Change them. Save them. And we give you honor for what you do in the day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And as we say. <laughs>
Say amen. You know you do. There's nothing worse than being the sound man when it goes wrong. But today, with about 10 minutes of lessons, didn't miss a beat. And so, all those thank eyes you gave me, when you go out today, you go by and thank you and tell him you did a good job. Uh, and uh, so, maybe that will begin making up for all the times you stared him down for squealing in the middle of church. Um, that half the time wasn't his fault, it was whoever was standing up front holding the microphone in front of the monitor. Uh, and Tommy can't control that. Uh, but uh, I, said, so thank you. Uh, I said, make up for all the stink eyes you've put on me. All right, let's buy through the Smiths this morning. All right, Archie, how this mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, for today and your blessings on us and being able to be here in your house and send your praises and hear your work proclaimed. With that blessed Father that we still have the freedoms, Lord, to worship and to study and to fellowship together in public. We pray, my Father, you go with us through this week and we pray that, that our every action will be according to your will. We pray that your will will be done in this earth and in us as it is in heaven. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.